Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Chicken history? Yes. Oh my god. I this know. makes me so excited. I know, right? Yeah, I do. And you know, like it's not gonna be a long one. Oh. I've done a quickie. Only because I couldn't find a lot of information on her, but Sometimes I really wanted to tell her story. Yeah. So that's fine. Let's just But we can chat about her. Yeah, we can. For a long time. Absolutely. Well, we've already chatted for a long time. I know, but we can chat so, about the chick street okay. for a long time. All right. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to tell you all about a woman named Myra Juliet Farrell. Wow, I've never heard of her. No, that's the whole point. Okay, tell me Myra. M- Myra. That's what I said. <gasps> okay, Moira. <laughs> And over to you, Moira. And over to you, Myra. Uh, so Myra was born in County Clare in Ireland. Oh, yes. In 18- eighteen. Entire story in an Irish accent. Old tree. No. No, don't do mm, it. Okay. <laughs> she was born in eighteen seventy-eight, and she was the third of six children to Marcus and Harriet. Marcus is not a name you'd think was a very old one. I Mark. know. Marcus, yeah. Maybe Marcus? It, maybe it was Ireland, like an Irish one. Maybe it's Gaelic. Maybe. Spelt X-Y-A-D. Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Those Gaelic I names love, are just I love how so... they spell Neve and Owen. It's, it's, it's and like they did. It's, like it's like a letter, letter raffle. They've yeah, just pulled letters out just, of a bag. And, and we're going to pronounce them how we want. Want. <laughs> Um, so her family was staunch Protestants, Protestants, mm. and they were descendants of the chaplain to William the Third of England. Mm. Um, and a lot of her family, extended family, they're all clergymen and um, you know uh, military men and whatnot. So they were all they were quite a respected family. Right. Somewhere around the eighteen. 18- 50s, Myra's father, um, Marcus, travels to New Zealand to fight in the New Zealand Wars. What? Yeah. Wars? I'll tell you about the New Zealand Wars. But consequently, that's where he meets um, Harriet um, and that's where they meet and get married. Oh, so th- okay, so this is before she was born. Before she was born, correct. Um, now, Harriet is an Australian-born engineer. What? Yeah. So she um, marries. So yeah. So so Marcus and Harriet get married, and then they return to Ireland. Now the New Zealand Wars, yeah, were a series of armed conflicts that took place in New Zealand from 1845 to 1872. That's a long time. Yes, and they were between the colonial government and allied Maori on one side, mm-hmm. and on the other side there were Maori and Maori al. Allied settlers on the other side, and it actually resulted in the loss of Maori land. Oh, right. So it was about land ownership yeah. and colonization and, 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 and indigenous people. Indigenous people, yeah. 
heard that story mm. before. Well, yeah, we've never had a, a war, though, with our Indigenous people, have we? Yeah, there wasn't a war, correct, but, I mean... Well, the Maoris were a lot more savage say it, say it was. than yeah. our savages, mm. as mm. they called them. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have, you know, they, they were... Yeah. You don't fuck with the Maoris. Oh, no. And Hell they probably no. found that out. Good. Um, so when Myra's just two, the family migrates to Australia. Australia. Yeah, they come to Australia. They hop on a boat. Many months later, as we know, the journey takes a few months on the sea. Takes a few people too. They disembarked Scurvy. in Adelaide this time, not Melbourne. Radelaide. Yeah, they went to Radelaide. They hear that silver has recently been discovered in a town called, listen to this, Umberumberka. 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 Yeah, which is uh, near Broken Hill. Mm. So they travel north, they go to Broken Hill, then they, then they go to Umberumberka, um, which is just west of Broken Hill, and they set up camp there because they Broken think. Broken Hill. Yeah, they think that's a good place to set up camp. Ugh. That's one of the hottest places on earth. Yeah, it wouldn't, I mean. Umberumberka, Broken Hill. Nowadays, the town is long gone, but the reservoir that was built in 1911 for um, Broken Hill and Silverton and places around there, it still remains. Wait, there's a place called Silverton? Yeah, where silver was discovered. Oh, my God. I know. So, it just makes so much sense. Yes, I know. We discovered silver here. What would we call it? I don't know. Call it whatever you want. Gold Town? That's dumb. <laughs> I can't think of anything else, though. What about Silvertown? No, that's too long. That's what about Silverton? <laughs> that's better. Brilliant. So Myra's parents established a school there um, in Silverton, actually, called St. Peter's School. And Myra and her siblings all attended that school and that's where she was educated. Now, from a very early age, Myra always looked for ways to make life easier or to make things work better. So she definitely inherited her mother's engineering, engineering mind. Or my, she inherited my laziness to find things easier to do because do. I'm a lazy ass bitch. You should be an bitch. engineer. I should. I mean, I'm, I'm quite ingenuitive <laughs> when it comes to finding you are ways good. to do things easier. Yeah, you are pretty good like that. Yeah, like the other day when you were making coffee and I, you got the coffee thing and the tamper and you don't yeah. take the – Tamper out. You don't take it out. You just tamper it when it's you know in what? there. And I was like, that just takes time, genius. doesn't it? Yeah. I've, lo- I've learnt lots of um, time-saving – Life hacks, they call life them. Life hacks from you. Some, I call them lazy bums. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Either way, they're great. Yeah. As a child, she came up with the idea of a self-locking safety pin – but it was never patented. So I've looked up a self-locking safety pin and it's not what you think. It's kind of like a round circle with a pin in the middle of it. And, you know, like think of it like on a belt, you know, when you you thread it through and if you you thread it through again, it locks. So she came up with that idea when she was a child. In the 1800s, I mean, anyway. She would, however, go on to patent just a measly 24 patents in her life. Oh, my Lord. So Myra was a bit of an inventor. She was. 
She was one of Australia's most prolific female inventors, or even inventors, let's just say. Yeah. We don't need to say female. No, just because she had a vagina. <laughs> She's an inventor. So her first pat is it patent or patent? I'd say patent. Patent. But you can say whatever patent. you want. Patent, yeah. Um, it was in 1905 and she built a device that would copy a skirt pattern from a book mm. onto material. Like a, a, tra- a tracer? A tracer, but it was a machine. So oh. it would trace the pattern in yeah. the book. Then you would make it be the size that you want and it would then trace it out. The machine would trace it out onto the material. So you could make – you could start mass producing yeah. clothes. So you, yeah, yeah. So you could start – yeah, exactly, exactly. It probably – maybe the first like even idea of like, you know, mach- machines, machines to yeah. Yeah, produce like that. Well, they probably – the machine did the tracing and then the humans did the making. The sewing, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was just but easier to get the patterns a- Absolutely, because someone would have had to do that before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, do the maths to go, Mm -hmm. you know, before they actually had tracing paper and that kind of stuff. And put it on every piece of material themselves. Yes. Bloody genius. Did them out of a job, didn't they? (laughs) Bloody machines. You just wait to hear the things that she's invented. Okay. Unbelievable. I'm waiting. So her invention... (laughs) I'm waiting. Her inventions included a number of practical household devices... You know that little folding clothesline you use to fold up to pop your pop your stuff on if you live in a flat? <gasps> the clothes hanger. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mara. Did she? Yep. She invented that. Because back in the time, um, for a long time people were washing their clothes and drying them on rocks. That's mm-hmm. how they used to dry them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to invent something that's going to make us be able to hang them when you don't have much space or you don't have rocks nearby or an apartment where you can go one rope to the other apartment yeah yeah so so it was a cross-like piece of wood on both sides tied by both pieces of wood with some um, string or wire and that is where you would go and you'd pop your clothes over the string and the wire Bravo. Air dryer. You've got a folding bloody a folding air clothesline. Fo- fo- folding clothesline. Myra. Take that. I mean, next time you hang your – if you do live in an apartment and you're hanging your washing out yeah. on one of those, yeah. think of Myra. Yeah, every time they will now. In 1911, she patented – patented – paint. Mm. oh, God. She patented. She patented. Um, an improved stayette for body wear. Essentially, a corset without hard stays. So, you know, we talk a lot about how shit corsets were. Spanx. She invented Spanx, didn't she? Kind of. The early version of Spanx. Yeah. She created it initially to support women who had scoliosis. Mm -hmm. Straighten them up. Curvature of the spine. But it actually would prove to be very popular among women um, at that time who were replacing men in the workforce. And they were finding it really difficult to do a whole shift in a corset so they all decided they're going to use Myra's idea and start wearing her unboned um, um, corsets she tried to um, get the interest of um, major undergarment manufacturer Burley were they around then yeah wow. but they rejected her idea did they steal it and 
Burley later made its own knockoff version of Myra's invention. But she patented it. it. She, uh, she did, but they would have, but I don't they know. They just did Maybe a little bit different. Little, yeah. Yeah. So she also developed a, um, a sling for carrying a baby. So you know how, you, you know. Baby Bjorn. You've got a baby Bjorn. Yeah, like a sling thing that goes over the thing. And they weren't common in Western countries mm. at the time. No. Um, and apparently it's been said that um, the Americans used to say that an Australian woman invented that because we've learnt that from kangaroos and how kangaroos carry Pouches. their babies and joey's in a pouch yeah anyway she also invented a device that would do a facelift by a simple mechanical means there wasn't much information on that but anyway maybe let's just say that she was good with whatever the facelift was was happening so i don't know i don't know like maybe a a thing around the sling around your face it just said a device that affected a facelift by simple mechanical mean yeah she invented an automated fruit picker and packer. What? So she said she even tried it on um, really sensitive fruit like blackberries and blueberries and it worked fine. And Sorry, can I just interrupt? Yeah. I am loving blueberries at the moment. <laughs> I'm mad for them. Yeah, they're good. Can't get they? enough. Yeah. I had a chocolate dessert the other night mm. and it's just so sickening. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have every time I had a little spoonful of the chocolate dessert, I put a heap blueberry. of blueberries oh, yeah. on top of it. Yeah, yeah, nice. Saved me. Yeah, yeah, nice. Pete loves blueberries. Does he? Yeah, he loves them. Pete yeah. is the weirdest dog around, and I'm here for um, it. It's like um, it's like Tatum. You know the um, Tatum. Tate, Tate, Tatum calls them. Um, Sugar nuggets. Oh, my God, I love Tatum. Or sugar berries or something. He's like, I want sugar berries. Yeah, he loved it. Tatum, yeah. Tatum is from TikTok. Anyway, we digress. Now, she also invented the press stud that can be attached to a garment without stitching. A stitchless button, a stitchless hook and eye. She invented an automatic window which opens and closes by pressure upon a button. A collapsible, rigid and folding hood for a car. What? Which can be made to fit any vehicle. And then she eventually made that into what else has a folding hood on it that you push your little kitties around in? A pram. She invented the folding hood on a pram. Oh, my God. Yep. And an automatic air purifier and cooler. When war comes in 1914, she turns her hand to military devices. And in 1915, she invents... A kind of barrier, like a shield, that can be used by the military. It is rifle, shell and machine gun proof and she calls it the defence fence. And uh, in 1915, a newspaper article mentions the device was under consideration by the Defence Department but then they later rejected it. But go on to copy her idea and make their own. Now, she also developed, this is cool, she developed a light that could be projected um, a great distance and she initially had developed it to use in advertising. So, you know how you see lights, yes, messages, ghosts, words yeah, yeah. up on a thing? They, I think they call them gobos, I think, in the, in the industry. Gobos? Gobos, yeah. 
So we get a we'd get a you, you'd get a gobo made like in a in a logo for example and you'd go to an event and you know you see it on the wall or something. So she invented that, but the military decided that they were going to use this, that that same light and took her plans and her prototype and used it for in the military to be able to send light a, a really far distance. It's an unconfirmed family legend that the light she tested the light from North Head on Sydney Harbour. To South Head. Causing confusion to the crew of a vessel out at sea who mistook the beam for that of the South Head Lighthouse. <gasps> Love that story, even if it's not true. Yeah, I reckon it's true. So she would also get her patents done overseas because Australia was too slow. And in an article that I read, she is quoted um, in saying, it's so difficult to get anything done in Australia. We are so slow and cautious about assimilating new ideas. It took three years hard work for her um, to get her first um, patent, which is the skirt and pattern maker. And she said it's also even very difficult to even get the attorney to listen to my ideas. So I think because of Australia, but also because I think she was a woman. Oh, you think? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if it had been a guy, it probably would have been different. Do you reckon? A little bit. Okay. The fact that she invented so many things, that's amazing Mm. in itself. But listen to how she came up with her ideas. Okay. She would perceive a need for a particular product and she would think about it and she'd sleep on it. In her dreams, while she was sleeping, she would see the solution to a problem in great detail, including the way in which the object should be constructed and she would get out of bed and write down the details of the construction or formula for whatever she was making. She would usually write on whatever was near to hand, including sometimes the bed linen or the wall. And it was literally as though she was writing in her sleep. And they call this somnambulant writing. And it's a thing, people mm. who write in their sleep. Mm-hmm. She would write right to left instead of left to right and in the morning she would wake up and copy it out by looking into a mirror into a mirror wow that's incredible she also drew all of her diagrams and created all of her models for submission um for the for the pattern process while she was asleep yep while living in Broken Hill she suffered uh an acute respiratory uh problem when she had um, lead poisoning mm. and she dreamt of a formula to cure her, her, her disease. This is from a newspaper, the Sunday Times, Sunday the 23rd of December 1928. I first tried this formula on myself. When I was young, I lived in Broken Hill and there I contracted lead poisoning. My parents placed me under the care of Dr. Hines of Adelaide. He treated me for a period and then I was suffering from constant attacks of hemorrhage. I was partially paralysed, losing weight so rapidly that I had I was reduced to a skeleton. The doctors said I was suffering from, from consumption caused through the lead settling on the lungs and later said that I was doomed to fill an early grave. Because consumption um, is tuberculosis. T- yes. TB. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as I could not possibly survive. So she thinks, nah, no, 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 no. nah, I'm too not young. Not done yet. Too young to die. So she, <laughs> she concentrates really, really hard one night when she's going to bed. 
and eventually the inspiration comes to her. She awoke one morning to find she had written down a list of seven ingredients in her sleep. The list was written backwards, of course, and when she held up a mirror, she found that she had placed near the chemicals exactly what each chemical would do. Number one and two will cut the mucus away. Number three and four will cleanse the lung. Number four, five and six will heal the lung. So from from these ingredients, she compounded a tablet and when the tablet was burnt, it would give off three separate fumes. And if you inhaled the fumes in a week's time, she was able to dress herself. And in three years, she was completely cured and it never came back. And she was fine. Did she, is this around? Did it help people? So she, she discovered the um, cure for tuberculosis. Now, when why have we never heard of this woman? <laughs> we are now. Oh, I cannot believe we've not heard of this woman. Yeah, I know. So um, when she's all cured, cured, she meets a man who she subsequently goes on to marry, and he's come to Australia. His health is not good. He has TB in the throat, and uh, for seven years he's been in a sanat- sanatorium. Mm. And it says the flesh has been scraped to the bone and he was in the last stages. So she she feels, well, she feels intensely sorry for him and to everyone's alarm, she decides to get engaged to him and try to help him, try to, try to cure him. Okay. And she have to get engaged? Well, she obviously fell in love with him. Yeah, Yeah. look, she loves him. She was confident that the treatment that she had developed would cure him. And so he started taking it, inhaling it, and gradually um, he improved and in a year they were married. (gasps) Although doctors said that he wouldn't survive three months, he survived another seven years (gasps) because of Myra and they went on to have two children. Her first child, a girl, also developed TB of the third finger when she was 18 months old and um, Myra treated her with her own formula and she recovered. She's now... She was um, at the time of the article, which was in the 1920-something. She's 21 years old and she's never had um, a reoccurrence of any trouble. She also had a son who had no signs of tuberculosis at all. Wow. She then went on to um, visit the Queen Victoria Sanatorium and she would go around and start treating all the people who had tuberculosis and she would just she was getting this onslaught of um like gratitude and thank you mail and some of the articles and news articles have the letters of people writing saying you know my my son was like they said it was all over but this woman has come in and and saved his life um she also developed this thing um that she called myra's ointment ointment that's a good word good word you don't we don't use ointments anymore do we but god it's a good word ointment Mm. she developed an ointment for the skin and a woman had developed a disease which was called flower disease. And flower disease happens when you, when you get exposed to flour that's gone off and there's a fungus that grows in it. Mm-hmm. She was a pastry maker and her husband was a baker, so they were around flour all the time. And she developed this really horrible fungus growth yeah, on her skin. Growth. Yeah. yeah. And um, the doctors were like, no. Nah. We can't. Uh, there's nothing we can do for you. Like we've never seen this before. This is really rare. We don't know. So she sinks into really bad mental depression, and she'd almost abandoned hope when her neighbour, who happens to be Myra. Myra, hears of the case, and she she thinks, "What if you pop on my ointment? 
what, what, I wonder what will happen then. So she persuades her neighbour as a last resort to try her ointment. And she puts a small quantity of the ointment on her wrist and she says that almost within a few hours there was some measure of relief to this woman. The fungus on the wrist was drawn out of the flesh by the ointment and in the course for a few days the wounds left by the fungus healed over and became normal healthy flesh. This woman was so excited that she would take a hot bath, smear it all over her body and wrap herself in a sheet. And the treatment was continued for several weeks with remarkable results. And in the local newspaper, um, they reported on it and they said, an amazing development of the case is that during the past three weeks, the victim has started on an ointment prepared by a neighbour from a formula of her own. And the improvement in her condition is so striking that she is now confident that she will soon be completely cured. She was not only an inventor, she was also a painter, um, a really excellent beautiful painter and she has a famous painting called seascape which you can look up you can google it it's lovely and she was known as a um as a as a genius slash eccentric and her eccentricities included keeping a foot of an egyptian mummy on her mantelpiece where it just remained and gathered dust and she was told told the housemaid don't touch it don't dust it you're not allowed to not allowed to touch it and it was thrown out with the garbage um after she had died and it was subject to a police investigation who had discovered this uh foot so she died at her home. I don't know the information around that on the 8th of March, 1957. Mm. And that's kind of all I know about her. But holy oh. shite. I'm sorry. That is all you could find. <laughs> like sh- there should be so much information about this woman. I know. That is just so yeah. readily available. Yeah, that's all I could find. And I I mean, I researched yeah. hard. Do you know what I was thinking that whole time – the more you came out with all the things, that would make a great movie. Absolutely. I think um, Rachel Griffiths should make that movie. You know, yes. she wrote Ride Like a Girl. Yeah, She's into female stuff. I yeah. reckon she'd make this a really great story. How amazing, hey? I, I think it, it is amazing. Yeah. All of those things that yes. she did. Yes. Yeah. And you, you, we haven't, we don't know. And we don't know all of the other stuff. Like she's clearly, no one wanted to buy her medicine. Yes. No one wanted to buy her patents. No one wanted to buy her inventions. No. Like, why not? But if, yeah, well, if they, well, they went, it's a woman making it. So we're going to steal her idea but, and we're going to again make it ourselves. They, they stole. Thank you. They stole all of these ideas mm-hmm. because tuberculosis was cured. Yeah. So someone has stolen that yeah, yeah. formula. Yeah. Someone, you know, fungus. Fungus is still a problem. So maybe if we could find out what that ointment is, <laughs> yeah. we could go to Big Pharma. Totally. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, incredible. So... The just Myra Juliet Farrell. You know, we did the first female mechanic. Yes. She, she, she could have used that hood. The car. On the car. Yeah, yeah. Well, she would did. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And I tried and tried to look for a list of her because she's 24. I think if you're listening, born and bred... Ladies, yeah. if you could look into this woman, 
But they might be able to find stuff that we couldn't. Maya, Maya Juliet Farrell. She went by a few different names. but um, Did she? Mm. They always did, the, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. I think she was Maria Juliet Farrell mm. and, um, yeah, anyway, amazing, right? Yeah, really mm. amazing. And this is exactly when we – what we thought when we wanted to do this podcast was the women that we've never heard of who do, who've done really extraordinary things. Yeah. And this is like actually I think one of the best ones we've ever had Thanks. for this yeah. because how did you find her? I don't know. You don't know? I don't know where I came she across come to her. You. Did she come to you in a dream? She came to backwards? me in a dream. Backwards. Did you write her name backwards? Yeah, it was a- a- Aim. 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 Um, no, I don't know. I think I was looking at something else and she came up and I don't know. Well, I don't know what day it is most of the time. Maybe, I, know. So. I love this though. Yeah. I don't know how you've found I her. I don't know how either, but when I did, I was like, yes, queen. That's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get a photo of her? I do have a photo okay, of her. Okay, so we'll pop that yeah, up. We've got a photo of Because I'm really her. keen to know what she looked like. So yeah. she did get married. I was I was thinking that whole time that she was going to be um, what they called back in the day a spinster. No, she got married twice. She mm. married um, the guy that she cured of TV. Yeah. Thanks very much. And then she had two children to him and then she moved to Mossman and Mossman. she also lived in Bondi for a while. Oh. And She's a socialite. Yep. And she married again and mm. had a, another son who went on to become a really famous um, artist. Sax, no, like a saxophonist. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Is it Bill Clinton? <laughs> you know, he played the Kenny saxophone. Kenny G. Kenny G. <laughs> Kenny G played Kenny the. G. No, he played the thing. He was a saxophone. No. Yeah. No. Siri. <laughs> Hey Siri. Hey Siri. What did what did Kenny? What what? Who was that? That was your phone. That was your phone. No, it wasn't. It came from over there. Oh. Hey Siri. What did Kenny G play? Flute. What was the first one? Oh, it goes on. Saxophone. Thank you. He played the saxophone flute. Stop there. Alto saxophone, <laughs> tenor saxophone, soprano saxophone. Sorry. 17 I take saxophone. it back. This soprano saxophone, that that's the one he's really known for. Uh, okay. And it yeah. look it's long. Yeah. But so it's that's why I never thought it was a saxophone. I win. <laughs> I'm such a mole. Hang on. Did my phone say yes, Annette? Because yes. I didn't. Oh. It said yes, Annette. Because you've got a man. Why do you have a man? Because don't you know the story behind all of these goggle bot bots are all women because we're in society used to telling women what, what to, to do. do. So I'm I changing. changed mine <gasps> to a man. Hey Siri, can you, you change your too. voice to a man, please? I can't change my voice. You can do it yourself. Well, changing yourself. So I changed it to an I changed it to an English gentleman. And I pretend he's like my Jeeves. Yes, Jeeves. Um, Siri voice, Australian female. Yeah. I'm going Irish male. Yes, do it. Okay. And her name's Marcus. His name's Marcus. Can you ask Marcus to say mm-hmm. 33,333? Well, I'm just downloading it first. Okay. 
33,333. It's only 4% complete. Look, okay. we'll, we'll come back next with this step. next week. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got to the end, so if you're still listening, we're just going to give you a few little credity bits. Executive producers of this podcast is me, Evie Jones, and of course, Annie Potatoes. But we've also got Sam Peterson. He's our producer, our editor, our wine boy, our whipping boy. He does everything. And he's also got a great podcast called Confessions of the Idiots. You know, if you all listen to us, we appreciate you. Follow us on Instagram at chickstreet underscore podcast. And you can email us at mychickstreet at gmail.com.